Welcome, Trinity. I'm I'm Neo. If you're truly Neo, you could dodge bullets. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> Fancy. Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. And we got a special deal with for our listeners. Try Bluetooth for free when you use our promo code SOS at checkout. Just pay five dollars in shipment. That's bluechew.com promo code SOS to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. I want to talk to you about Roan. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into wherever comes next. Head to roncom SOS and use code SOS for 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you go to R-H-O-N-E dot com slash S-O-S and use code S-O-S. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Welcome to another episode of S-O-S VHS. Today we have a great guest. She's a member of the Bad Friends family. She's a great comedian and you all know her. She is Jesse Juicy Jeski Johnson. And we're talking about her favorite movie, The Matrix. So get your popcorn ready and follow us down the rabbit hole. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, You're welcome. Well, <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Let me start by asking you something that everybody wants to know. <laughs> so in the movie, Ryan Neo experiences a, a huge change in his reality perception. How was your reality? How did your reality change when you started uh, being a part of the Bad Friends family? I, it, my reality did change, but kind of in reverse. Okay. Whereas like Neo went into the real world, which was desolate and like apocalyptic kind of. And that's kind of like the house I was living in before Bad <laughs> Friends. And now I feel like I'm living in the Matrix. You went into the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I can like buy like clothes I want, <laughs> food I want. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you did you make a better choice then than Neo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're 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 a blue pill type of person. Yeah. What is that? The blue pill or red pill? Can I take them both? <laughs> yeah. <Let's> party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you have taken the 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 blue pill? Yeah. You, you, you. I forget which one's which. Okay, so the, <laughs> it's my the, favorite movie, but I forget right. which no, one's but which the, every the, time. the red pill is the pill that. Uh, awakes you, you know, and and you learn the truth. But even if the truth is uh, uh, a bad one, I guess that's why it's so confusing. Because uh, you think red and woke, you think like I think Republican. <laughs> I think it's and a little different woke. <laughs> but that's why it always confuses me. Yeah, I think that they overdose the the <laughs> the new woke uh, people overdose on. <laughs> yeah, because you know Morpheus is a, a Democrat. <laughs> Definitely. So why is he choosing the red pill? <laughs> okay, so wait for 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 those of, of of you know of the people who haven't seen the movie, can you do a quick summary? Yes. Although I feel like most people have seen the Matrix. It's been out a long time now, though. Yeah. I think younger generations haven't seen it. All right. So, um, yeah. But it's about this guy who's a computer hacker, and he works a desk job, and he's miserable, and he kind of get swept up into this uh, other 
like a slice of life kind of like all these people come out of nowhere um, and start talking to him through coding and uh, finally he meets up with a guy named Morpheus. I'm trying to make this quick, but it's kind of a loaded movie. <laughs> um, and Morpheus uh, ends up giving him a choice that um, he can keep going down this path with all these new strange characters he's met and learning the truth. And he decides to go on that path instead of returning back to his life and his boring job and whatever. Mm-hmm. He finds out that now it is actually way into the future and life as he knew it was all a kind of assimilation and his body was being used as a i feel like people should know there's a big spoilers if you're gonna see the matrix or if you haven't seen it this is the worst way to experience right i feel like you, you, you right can now. leave it there like right he discovered that he lives in a in a simulation yeah and to me that's like when the movie really starts really really begins right he's yeah. a battery <laughs> he's a battery um okay So, did you see the movie when it came out? I did, which is so weird because I don't really remember any details of it, but I re I remember going to the midnight showing. Yeah. But I had to have been like nine. It's 1999. Yeah. So, you were nine? Yeah, and I remember it was the first midnight showing I ever been to. Right. That's some of the influence why it was my favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't really remember. I remember not understanding any of it. Right. And then I watched it like a million times more, but I remember loving it. Um, yeah. What what about it? What, what basically Yeah, what what did what did you love when you were nine, other than going to a midnight screening and and what did you love about it when you, you know, after you watch it a few times later? Well, midnight screenings in general were so fun back yeah. in the day. I don't mm -hmm. know if they're still like that now if I just don't go, but I don't I don't think they're like how they used to be. I mean, I think the whole movie experience has changed a lot. I think people don't, you know, they yeah. don't enjoy it as much as they used to. It used going to be, to like, movies. so exciting. Right. Like, right when it came out. But now with streaming, oh, this yeah. is loud. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like now the movie, is, uh, instead of opening on a, on a Thursday at, or whatever, Friday at 12 a.m., it opens on Thursday at 5. So, like, people can go a little bit earlier. Yeah, it used before. to be like a true midnight show, and I had school mm -hmm. the next day, and so my mom and sister and I, we all went. But I didn't really know what was happening in the movie. Obviously, the action and the the special effects were so crazy um, and so never cool. seen before. But right. I think that movie is just layered with metaphor. So like, there is a literal plot, but there's so much metaphor you can take out, and yeah. even if you don't quite understand it, there's like a lot of meaning in the movie. Yeah, and. So it it did feel like it did feel like I never saw the world the same after I saw it. Yeah. And that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, a lot of people even talk about like living in a sim simulation and people like Elon Musk is talking about, oh, maybe there is a chance that we can oh, I got the chill. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so what what do you think is, is stood with you all these years? With about, that movie? Yeah, with that movie. What is the thing about the movie that you think stays with you? Every time I watch it, I kind of get new things from it, but it is interesting how we are living with AI now. Yeah. And when it came out, it was all sci-fi. And we were like, because there, was, there wasn't AI back then, right? No. And no. it's fairly new, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I always figure... But like, there were movies like Terminator 2 and things like that that, you know, had this idea of like, there's going to be an evil AI in the future that's going to exterminate the human race. 
Yeah, but this makes the most sense. That AI would become <laughs> so sentient and then just like slowly take over and and then they so what is in in the movie don't they like the human race to fight back like they don't blow up the sun but they like right. they cover it they cover it so that there's they can't get the sun energy and then i could see ai just like using using doing that yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay but now right now it's like we're we're okay now they're just making movies and yeah <laughs> I think we're, we're good for, just, for now the ai is just making they movies just the work for us and paintings right <laughs> yeah um yeah there's i mean i i love this movie i think when when it came out i i love the visuals i think it was so cool this idea of that bullet time you know that like freeze frame where like you can move inside like the so camera cool. can still move i thought it was beautiful and never seen before uh, there were like like you said like there were layers that i saw it i was it was my first year in college so a little older than you but uh still a lot of things like went over my head it was just recently watching it and, and knowing a little bit about the directors that they said that this was a metaphor for uh, identity, gender identity, which it, it it kind of like went over my head. It was something that you you learned that in college? No, I learned that like I'm gonna say like listening to the directors talking about it today. Yeah, I didn't you, know if they because I know they recently said that. They, yeah, recently said that. I've and seen then, all four of them. <laughs> and then I rewatched the movie and it was like, yeah, there's all those elements in there that I didn't realize they were there when I was uh, uh you know when I was a teenager. Yeah, there's so much metaphor. Yeah. I mean, even like we talked about with bad friends. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think like, uh, yeah, the, I never picked up on that at the beginning. But there is a certain aspect of like, in, not gender identity, but just who you identify as and who people perceive you as. Yeah. Like I never thought I could be in, in front of the camera. You know, I always kind of was so shy and, and like scared to perform. And it took a long time. But yeah. Know, now I'm doing it and it's all those kind of lessons like you have to believe in yourself and um and I think when when they plug in and stuff and they he goes I know kung fu and like all that stuff it's we do have a lot of resources on on our phones now yeah like we can use these machines <laughs> as, uh, I'm nerding out now right but we can use like uh, all of the resources we do have with the internet to like help us learn faster yeah and, De oh definitely like very very interesting how all of that you know was so no way and now you have all that information you have in your phone it's not plugged into your head yet but it could be <laughs> but it, it very it, well could be and also neo it's like he's the one but he has a whole team of people helping him yeah and i think that's like i know i relate to that too like you have all these the people who kind of tell you like um yeah, who's your like, morpheus I think Bobby's my Morpheus. Yeah. I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I was working at the store and Bobby would just kind of like, well, he actually might be my, my Trinity. Not in that way, but in like, yeah, a, like, he's kind of like one of those people who broke me out because he was like, would talk to me and then he would kind of, um, you know, ask, he asked me to do bad friends at one point. That's why I think he's my Morpheus because, you know, the scene where they're on the phone and he's like, you got to get out now and it doesn't work. Yeah. The first time he asked me to do bad friends, I couldn't do it. Yeah, a couple times. No, it was just one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, then after I joined, yeah, there were a couple times I couldn't do it. But but the first time it kind of felt like that. I was in Austin and it and it did feel like, a oh, this will save my life. Like, you know, this, this will be a huge um, step for me. Right. And I and i can't do it and and then i was like it's not gonna happen 
Yeah, but, but then I, it did happen again. <laughs> right, and I did. Is the did you meet Bobby at the comedy store, or how how do you meet uh, how do you meet uh, Bobby? Yeah, at the comedy store. Right, and he saw you and just approached you, say, "Hey, you're funny." Or he does it. He goes around. He talks to all the door guys. I think because mm -hmm. he used to be a door guy, and he likes to like. Yeah. He likes to kind of test people, I think, and have conversations with them and see like who, who can roll with stuff, and and yeah, he still does it now. It's kind of cool now yeah. that I'm like, I've gotten so much from the whole family you know and i can see him now talking to new door guys and it's just like yeah that's why i think maybe i'm more like trinity and he's <laughs> still, we're still looking for our neo you know yeah 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 um cool i um okay i, I want to know a little bit about your or origin story and i i know you know you you are from arizona mm -hmm. mm. I read that you said like, well, you have a, straight, a stage fright that high school or uh, or junior high was hell. You read that? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you read that? Ah, I have my, my... diary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I got your diary. So, uh, how was yeah? Tell me a little bit. How how was uh your your upbringing and and why was difficult? I guess or why do you feel like um, growing up was hell? Well, junior high was hell because of puberty mostly. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah, and like, um, but growing, I had a really fun childhood because my parents, not because they were divorced, <laughs> but that since they were divorced, I'd see my dad like every other weekend, and because I think of that, which is every other weekend, is just twice a month. Right. But it sounds a little nicer, I think. But he wouldn't really make those weekends special, so we, you know, we'd go to the zoo or you know we'd go to like a um the highland games which is like a, a scottish festival like we'd always go to like these festivals in town mm -hmm. and so that was always fun and then at my mom's house it was just my mom and sister and i and she's a single mom working and we kind of just were wild in that house and it was really fun um we didn't have a lot of rules yeah you know <laughs> and so, was your sister better at school than you my sister is six years older than me mm. and She's yeah, she's really smart and just one of those people who could take up any skill really fast. So she like maybe she has a hack, like <laughs> yeah, like I think she might have. <laughs> yeah. You think so? <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, she will like could she, she like did some art classes and then would just be amazing art and then picked up music and amazing in music and she can just pick up skills really fast. But um, in junior high, I remember we had this thing called the red page, which is in our planner and you have to get a stamp in every class. And if you miss one, they tear out your red page. And if you don't have your red page, you can't go to the end of the year um, party, pool mm -hmm. party. And then I went to PE class one day and I started my period for the first time. Can I say that on here? Period? I think, I think so. <laughs> okay. Period. <laughs> okay. And I, so I was in swim class. So I go to my, my gym teacher and I'm like freaking out, you know, and I'm like, right. I can't swim. And she goes, well, you should have had a note. I was like, well, I didn't know it was going to happen. And she tore out my red page. And then I got detention. And then I also couldn't go to the end of the year party. And on top of everything, I started my period. So oh. it's like the worst day of my life. Interesting. I, I, I mean, I hope like those things have changed. I imagine they might. Well, like, because those are the things. Like when I, I remember when I was in in junior high, like there was no girl who would talk about these things. You know, like everybody was like, oh, it, yeah. it was very private, embarrassing, uh, and therefore, like I don't know. And they, you know, they everybody hides it, so it's not part of real life. It's no, those those you know, 
some that's when I knew I wasn't in the matrix <laughs> right, I was like right. this is real <laughs> and right my sister found out and she was in high school and one day she skipped school and came to my junior high and talked to the principal and I got called to the principal's office and they told me they were really sorry about what happened and they gave me back my red page right wow and so it's my sister is just uh awesome yeah. in that way and yeah maybe your favorite movie should be carry no <laughs> uh, it wasn't like that <laughs> you're right right um, the teacher's like throwing tampons <laughs> on me um <laughs> so and and then so is that when you started like comedy or like uh, your music and comedy all the the i guess were you a nerdy kid from 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 the star yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 my favorite movie was the matrix at night <laughs> right 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 <laughs> No, um, and then yeah, in high school, I well, I played band in in elementary school, junior high, and then in high school, I still played band, but I there was a sketch comedy group there, so I started doing sketch comedy, and yeah. we did like two shows a year, one per semester, and we would write our own sketches, we'd do them live, and we'd film some too, so it was like live and video, and students would come out and watch it. So and and how did you, because like I remember doing like theater and and when I was in. in you know, middle school and things like that. But how do you decide that that was what you wanted to do? Well, I was playing music for so long and I loved it. I felt like I would go to school for music because it was like my path for so long. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to, that was kind of like a, a red pill, blue pill moment for me. It was like, do I keep going down this path I know or do I, I take the leap and go into this thing that I know I really love and it feels right? But... I was too scared and a teacher of mine actually sat me down at lunch in, in high school and told me like, hey, women in comedy are really big right now. It's like when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were really big. And he's like, and you have a, like you're doing it here, like you have a real future and, you know, you should do it. And I was too scared. So I went to school for music and ended up dropping out and uh, it took me a lot longer, but I ended up still doing the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think obviously it takes a lot of bravery i think to like go into any of those professions um but it was comedy some sort of like you know outlet to you know get out of your junior high nightmares or like is it something that you always love like watching comedy movies or comedy specials is that's yeah, yeah how do you fall in love with comedy i guess is the question well my family laughs a lot mm -hmm. we all make jokes and and laugh and yeah movies are, are i like comedy movies too but um I think it was just something that I was like good at and it would be like how I would get attention. <laughs> right. So like okay. in class or like I was always like the funny girl in class. <clears throat> and so that was like my thing to like survive socially. And I switched schools a lot too. I switched schools like seven times. Oh. So I think that's like a skill to fit in. It's like. Definitely. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, okay. Go, going. So, what do you think your your takeaway from the Matrix would be today? You know, if you had to the say what the, the takeaway from the Matrix. <laughs> you so called it the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the Spanish the Spanish version. <laughs> Matrix is the Spanish version. Sorry, Andres, English, please. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, my producer, producer. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I was thinking like, you know, it, because it's a movie, like you said, it have many meanings, many, uh, and it, a lot of it has to do with choices. 
with destiny and fate, uh, you know, versus choices. And I was thinking, like, you know, once you watch it and, like, reflect on your life, did you take, you know, how do you see the movie today? Like, what's the biggest takeaway? I think the biggest takeaway, despite whatever metaphor you you pick up out of it, is to do what you want to do in life because it is really short and it might not even be real. (laughs) So (laughs) you better do what you want to do and not what other people want you to do. Yeah. And I think we like that. Life is short. <laughs> what do you Look say? at me. I'm Andres's friend from the plane. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> We've been yeah. here for years. This 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 skeleton has uh, been embodied by different like spirits on different times in the the, in the show. <laughs> Could be a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. Could be a month. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Summer is around the corner. Do you want to bring the heat into the bedroom? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. Bluechew is a unique service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. The best part? It's all done online. So you don't have to visit the doctor, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Also, Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepare and ship direct to your door in a discreet package. So nobody has to know what you're ordering. Talking about sex is something that I found Americans uh, don't do as much as they do in, in Europe. And I found that uh, very interesting. So I, I think like Bluetooth is going to help a lot of people who don't want to go to an office, who don't want to have like you know, uh, awkward conversations about sex. They feel uncomfortable. Uh, since Bluetooth is around, I think they help m- tons of people uh, feeling more confident in the bedroom. So w- Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. And we have a special offer for our listeners. Try Bluetooth for free when you use our promo code SOS at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipment. That's bluechew.com, promo code SOS, to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Bluechew, for sponsoring the show. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you about Roan. In the morning, every morning, I have to iron all my shirts, make sure they're pressed, if not full of wrinkles. Uh, Also, another problem that I used to have, especially since I moved to LA, is like I'm running around all the time and try to do a couple different activities in the day. And usually I will have to change or or, or take two shirts with me. Uh, And then this miraculous uh, thing happened. Uh, Ron sponsored SOS VHS, and now I can't wear anything else. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Ron stepped up to the challenge. Ron's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man, and here's why. Ron helps you to get ready for any occasion with a commuter collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Ron's commuter collection. I love it. It's so elegant. It fits really well, and I can, you know, beat uh, George had ping pong outside the office, and 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 then come inside and and just uh, uh, do the podcast. Doesn't smell, it doesn't get wrinkled. It's awesome. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to run.com/sos 
and use promo code SOS to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash SOS and use code SOS. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Um, okay. It's rapid fire time. Okay. Yeah, so now the, the producer wants to ask you like a really uh, series of rapid questions. <laughs> okay. All right. Oppenheimer or Barbie? Barbie. <laughs> Audience score versus critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Audience score. Oh, I like that one. Although the critics are smart too. <laughs> what movie line do you quote the most? The critics are the agents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What movie line do you quote the most? I'm... S- Okay, I know this is rapid fire, but can I say something really quick? Yeah. I have a terrible memory with, like, details in movies. Are you a very visual person? Yeah, like yeah. like Red Pill, Blue Pill. I'm going to get so much shit for that online. Right. <laughs> Not knowing that earlier, <laughs> but, like, I'm so bad at memory. I think it's, like, why I'm, I really like memorizing my stand-up and Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you, how do you have to... Do you have to study a lot? Yeah, I practice every day. I like I th- if I I'm not like doing stand up. I'll like go through my jokes in my head and like p- trumpet. I practice every day. And you guys see in Bad Friends when we go out on stage live, I have all the music like uh, on like, my stand. Like, right. So yeah, to, I'm so bad at when people are in conversation and they'll do like like a movie quote. And I'm right. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Some people also have better memories. Like they they their their brains work different. Like. If you're visual or if you're like, you know, you learn like lines. Uh, but also you, and we'll go back to the producer for a second. Yeah, I, thank you, Andres. I read that you were like, uh, that you had a, st- a stage fright. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do you go from that to say like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in front of like hundreds of people every day as my job. <laughs> well, I think it was just a matter of, doing like i started with music so music i could it was kind of easier because i was in a whole band and i was just in the section like the trumpet section right and then sketch comedy i was reading scripts so it still wasn't me but stand up you're so vulnerable my i would have my set list and it would be shaking and i just it's just like i don't know there was something in me that just really wanted to keep doing it but even though it was scary and i honestly it wasn't even until like last year that i'd get so nervous before I'd go up on stage. But after the tour and being in front of like thousands of people every night, yeah. I I go on stage now any anywhere, like since we've been back and I feel really comfortable. Yeah, you were amazing on, on tour. And, but I, I watched basically a compilation, right? From your very first set on, on, on Kill Tony to today. Oh yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and even sometimes where you, you would have the same idea for a joke, you know, that you would have today, but the the confidence today has nothing to do you know like you were like kind of like a little laughing or protecting you know kind of like uh very i would feel like you were very aware of the environment and now you like plow through through with no problem but i guess like that's practice i don't know i think it is repetition yeah. and you just get comfortable in your environment it's been exciting though to get to that place right and who knows where we'll, we'll keep going oh, it's a scary scary walking in that that stage is just insane no, it's like jumping across the building. <laughs> right, it is. It is jumping, you <laughs> Don't know. Don't believe it. Yeah. Okay, it, back to rapid fire. Rapid, yeah. <laughs> Not so rapid. <laughs> What's the last movie you walked out of? 
I don't know if I've ever walked out of a movie. Oh. I'm... Wow. Sorry, Very rapid. Fire. <laughs> yeah. I took so long in the last one. I'd elaborate, but I don't want to be rude. What's the earliest time of day you've watched a movie? <laughs> what question is this, Carlos? What's the li- <laughs> What's the earliest time of day you've watched the movie theater? <laughs> 10 oh, a.m. showing. Maybe 10 a.m. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> what actor would play uh, you in a biopic of your life? Oh, Margot Robbie. <laughs> Thong or granny panties? Carlos, <laughs> next question. What's the last movie you saw on a plane? I don't watch movies on planes. What do you do on planes then? Like I play video games, I play my Zelda game, or I'll, I'll read or I'll play games on my phone. Oh, on Nintendo Switch? Yeah. We don't have one of those here. <laughs> we crashed when the Wii was out. <sighs> All right, that's it for rapid fire. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and... Uh, I want to go back to the movie for a second because <clears throat> this movie is so good. Yeah, and it's so so rich and um so one of one of the one of the things that are you a fan of anime or like manga and all of that stuff and I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. The Animatrix? What oh Never no mind. but have, no 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 <laughs> but have you have you seen the Animatrix? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Cuz yeah, the 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 Wachowski civil uh, sisters today uh they were huge fans of 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 manga and 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 anime and they a lot of visuals from the from the Matrix the original Matrix are like I don't know if you saw Ghost in the Shell back in the you know it's a movie oh, from yeah, the yeah. 80s or or Nausicaa which was uh, uh, Rudy's favorite movie like it had like those monsters that were pretty much you have them as the sentinels and and in the matrix um but yeah the the animatrix is a great great point because the matrix is the first experiment i don't know you know this concept of transmedia like some sort of like narrative that is not only in one place but you can access from different source of media and like marvel is something that does that you can watch this movie and this show and they're all related in the same universe and and the Matrix is a video game, the, uh, the short films, uh, wow. and they all have different in parts of the information of the full world of the of the of the Matrix. I guess they were the first ones. The, yeah, the first ones to do it to that extent. You know, they recorded like I think they, they shot like an hour of movie that is not in the movie that is in the video game. You Whoa. have to pass the screens to watch that. That's that is pretty, really cool. That's pretty cool. And then the fourth movie is about making of the video game. Right, right. It's just crazy. <laughs> yes, yes. And the the fourth movie, yeah, I'm not not sure how I feel about it. I think I, I was already. I love the first one so much that the other ones like disappointed me. Uh, well, if if you have me back four times, you know what we'll do. We will do all of, all of them. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I got a lot to talk about, especially the fourth one. Okay. Um, did did you know that Will Smith was uh, offered the role for uh, the Neo role? Yes. Okay. I thought you said Willow Smith, like, <laughs> but it was like uh, not making fun of your accent no, the no, whole no. time. But I'm used to. It. But his daughter is Willow Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, that would be crazy. <laughs> I mean, his wife is in the second movie. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but yeah, that would have been a whole other movie. I think about that all the time. To yeah. be honest, um, and how that would have changed literally the world because yeah. Neo, or Keanu Reeves gets such a good there is one scene at the end that I remember that always made me laugh a lot though because he's like if I remember it right it's like one of the final fight scenes and he's running away from the agent and the operator is telling him go to the door on your left and he goes like to the right and he's like no your other left <laughs> right 
Yes. But this is when he's supposed to be actualized. Yes. <laughs> so was, it's just like that part was very like a Keanu Reeves moment, but it makes yeah. you feel like anybody could like live their life to their fullest potential, no matter how um, how you might perceive yourself or how you feel about yourself. And um, I wonder if Will Smith was doing that because he was already such a movie star. Yeah. And but he always and I know Keanu Reeves was too, but Will Smith was such like an action star and Yeah, he I think he rejected this movie to do Wild Wild West, which obviously turned out to be the greatest movie. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like Keanu Reeves was born for this role. I mean, I guess some people might say John Wick now, but I think he this was his his thing. His legacy is gonna be his new. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then I think I think um, the Carrie Ann ba- Moss Trinity character was gonna be played by Sandra Bullock, which also I didn't know that. So she kills it. Carrie Ann Moss kills it as Trinity. Right, and even like I can't think of her outside of this role. You know, like she she is Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Whoa. So yeah, it's 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 very interesting how movies are like lighting the bottle. Sometimes it just happens. A lot of serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you well. I, were you aware of the uh, the director's kind of like trajectory, their life uh, changes, I guess, and 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 all of that? Because when they shot this movie, there were two guys, and now there are two <laughs> women. But there's a lot of elements that they were like putting in in throughout their career about like this I- identity, right? Like this idea of Mister Anderson versus Neo, or you know, they have a character in the movie called Switch, who originally was gonna play by a girl in the inside the matrix, but a guy in the real world and kind of like, because oh. it's supposed to be right. Like how you see yourself inside the matrix. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all of that, I think is very interesting things that I didn't pick up when I watched it the first time and like how there's a lot of androgyny, androgynous characters. Um, yeah, I totally, and, I knew that in the, but that just kind of feels like the wave of the new world. Like, right. For real. But I think, yeah, it was so shocking when, the, when one of them did it, because I think it's not as shocking now, but at the time it was. Right. Um, and then when both of them did it, it was like, whoa, you never see that. <laughs> but, right. But I, it makes sense. And then, yeah, I wonder, I just, my biggest memory with the, about the Wachowskis was when I watched a making of The Matrix and they were all on like these bungees, like doing martial arts, like, <laughs> yeah. training. Right. They were like behind the thing, like giggling because they were so excited about it their movie getting made right they just seemed like little kids to me yeah yeah it's uh have you seen any uh, of uh, their other movies yeah i've seen jupiter ascending okay which i liked but i can tell why a lot of people didn't like it yeah (laughs) not my favorite did you see the one they did before the matrix called bound no and it has a lot of the same themes and same camera style and same the phones and the boots and the I don't know. It's about it's a lesbian thriller. It has a lot of those oh, elements. I know what Carlos is gonna watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean this movie is mind blowing. It's the first movie I've ever owned on DVD. You know, I remember oh, buying the DVD. Is the first DVD, and I eventually had like a, you know, fifteen hundred. And now I have like almost ten thousand DVDs. <laughs> you have to say that on here. That's <laughs> yeah, the first DVD you bought. Yeah, the the very first DVD I bought was The Matrix, and I think it was the highest movie ever to be sold on DVD. You know, I think they 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 sold three million copies of of The Matrix on DVD. Wow, it changed the world. Yeah, 
it was it was mind blowing because it was also like it was visually fun, you know, like very entertaining, and also had all these deep meanings and like interesting ways of looking at your life. The the blue pill, red pill, right? Like it it becomes part of your the size say guys or whatever the the your reality now like you use pop culture zeitgeist zeitgeist yes I know <laughs> what you mean because it's funny you yeah. use that word because there I remember getting super <clears throat> into conspiracy theories when I was in high school mm-hmm. and the Matrix became a big part of like the zeitgeist conspiracy like right. conspiracy theories in the zeitgeist like um if you went to any bookstore there was a there is a section for conspiracy theories and yeah. it's small <laughs> it's always there's always one there and there's always a, like books about the matrix and like and it they tie it into the government and like it's just crazy how like that way it affected the world yeah and i it kind of makes me laugh now because i think a lot of people maybe um who are still into conspiracies especially now and like QAnon and who yeah. probably think something about like the government is controlling us and the vaccine is keeping us in the matrix or whatever they're right. gonna learn it's all just allegory for trans people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just feel like so what what do you think the the how do you got out of that conspiracy theory what was the thing that made you uh kind of like because when you're in that mindset right you don't trust anyone you don't right like you basically yeah. or you trust the wrong things i think i got off drugs yeah <laughs> okay to be honest (laughs) (laughs) that's how you got into conspiracy theories Uh, yeah drugs okay okay that's cocaine i thought you were gonna say you know education or no no no. i want a weed it started with weed (laughs) it was a gateway for me okay (laughs) uh, this is in in high school high school started smoking weed and then once i graduated because i was so focused like music class like I, I had like five music classes in high school i was getting straight a's i spoke at my graduation i was doing this comedy thing i was like very business minded in high school mm-hmm. and i was kind of smoking weed but once i graduated and i had this full ride and i was didn't really care about stuff i like just started trying every drug and so i was doing acid and ecstasy and shrooms and coke and and i was just like going on YouTube and going down these rabbit holes and like learning things that I never obviously were never taught in high school because it's not based on any truth. Right. And I would just start making all these weird connections and um and yeah, I went down like Yeah. It's uh yeah. the 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 rabbit hole is like, well Neo goes on a rabbit yeah. hole too, right? Like just the, like the, white, the your white rabbit was uh YouTube. Up your nose. <laughs> My white rabbit was YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So th- you said like then you s- when did you stop drugs before moving to LA or yeah okay. it was I'm one of the few people who got like stand up helped me get sober a lot of yeah. people get in stand stand up and start doing drugs yeah but it was like reversed because I wanted to take it seriously and of course yeah and how how do you make that decision to come to LA I think it was like 2017 how do you know all this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like 2017 I um. Uh, I first visited LA in 2016 and I did Kill Tony. I went and signed up and I, I got pulled out of the bucket first. And it really did feel like a destiny moment to me, even though I know it's all random. Yeah. But um, I remember walking on stage, first time ever at the comedy store, like stepping foot there, there. It felt like an energy there. Like I felt drawn to the building, um, which I still do today, but I've never felt like a, 
a place having a spirit like that. Right. And then getting called first, now I'm on the main room of the comedy store. And that whole experience felt like a dream. Yeah. And I think it was mixed in with a little bit of like stage fright and excitement, you know? And so now every time I'm on that stage, I feel good, but it's not as, right. it's not as, whoa. Um, do you remember the first uh, joke you told? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> What was it? <laughs> I don't do it anymore. <laughs> okay, then then it's, it's safe. Yeah, the joke is, um, I know I look like I'm 12, uh, but I fuck like I'm 16. <laughs> wow. So, and, and perfect. Per -per 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 so you said the tone, like, so did, did it, Tony and the guys like you immediately? Or how, how did that connection happen? Because you weren't Kill Tony for a lot of, you know, first doing the... What is, what's it called, like one minute stand-up? The bucket, up? yeah, or, yeah, one minute, yeah. Yeah, then you were in the band, then you were a guest. I know, I've really, right. uh, I really feel part of that family too, like yeah. similarly to with Bad Friends. It's like, um, it, it was good. I, uh, I just kept, I, I fell in love with the place and then being in Phoenix, I've always felt like I need to move to LA to mm -hmm. pursue stand-up. And now here I am knowing this place I can sign up for and, and go do. It, while I meet other comics and go explore the rest of the scene too. Yeah. And um, and so I went about a year later, a year and a half later in 2017. And um, yeah, the second week I was there, I just kept getting pulled out week after week. And because of that, people in the audience that were comics would see me and then they'd come up to me and be like, I have a show here. And that's how I kind of started getting into the scene. Mm. And um, Do you have any, when you move here, do you know anyone? I know a few people, like um, my friend who helped me find a place out here is Michael Longfellow, who's now on Saturday Night Live. Wow. He was really cool because yeah. we like, started in Arizona and he helped me find an apartment here. And I remember him like driving around and like we would just drive through the hills and look at the houses and like dream. And he said uh, when we were driving down Sunset, like after that, he was looked at the billboards and he goes, can you picture yourself on a billboard? And I was like, no. And he's like, I can. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, I could see you on there too, and it was just this special moment. But I went home the other day, and he's on a billboard on Saturday Night Live, and I called him and told him about it, and he said, well, uh, yeah, it's, there's too many other people on it, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, this is a great Matrix moment, right? At the at the end, towards the end of the movie, just before that moment that you were mentioning, uh, you know, he has to fight the agent, agent, agent Smith, and. And he's about to run, but he actually turns around and then say like, "What's what's he doing?" And then, and then Morpheus says something like, "Oh, he's he's starting to believe, you know, he's believing in himself." And that that idea of like, you need to believe that it's possible before it is possible. So yeah, like that visualization and like believing in yourself. I love that, and I think it's important to like, he needed other people to believe in him, like throughout the whole movie, right? And I feel like that a lot, like with you guys and Bobby and Andrew, like. I think that's what's really made me step into my own and like and Annie and Jessel Nick too, like and right. Polly, like all these people coming into my life and saying like, we believe in you, like you have a future and and then I'm like, Oh, if these guys are saying it Yeah. Like I I don't doubt them. Yeah, it's almost impossible to do it just by yourself, right? Anything. Yeah. So did you have any any mentors at the beginning or someone that you could like rely on when you move here? Yeah, well, Michael was great because he knew the scene, so he'd show okay. me like other um, places. He was already more established here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like he wasn't a. He was still doing mics and stuff at that time, but he he'd been in the scene for a bit. So he, I, 
I would go like a to a, an open mic and we'd maybe go get dinner or something. So it's like okay. I wasn't just alone all the time. And yeah, um, and my roommate Jaime, uh, who I still talk to today, he plays music. So I had a friend who was outside of comedy that I lived with, and you know he was he was cool, but. Um, it did feel a lot of like um, very lonely when I first moved here. Right, I think yeah. the city is super lonely. Yeah, if you don't know people, like it's difficult to meet people. Oh, yeah. Like it's too big, too wide, too spread out. It's just I felt super lonely. A full a full year went here. Like, what am I doing in this city? It's it takes a depressing. while. Depressing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was on an air mattress, and it was just like. That was a really hard hard time for sure. I remember my sister came out at one point because I got this job at a um a bakery like coffee shop, and I needed black shoes and I didn't have money for them, and she like was like yeah I'll buy your shoes and then she also because of that like needing shoes she like took me to the grocery store and like loaded up a cart and I couldn't believe it. I was like using a knife to open cans. <laughs> right. So okay. So how was yeah how was your life then like you were working doing like day jobs like that and then writing comedy and going to the comedy store at night how how did you leave those first how 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 long did you do that for that was like a few years and i but it what happened was i had this like um work from home job but it was hard to maintain um because i started in arizona so when i moved here it was really hard to maintain so i lost that job mm -hmm. and i would do audience warm-up which was awful. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, not audience warm up. That's actually a great job. Um, uh, clapping. What do you call that? Like Just the, audience work. Yeah, like yeah. the coordinator, audience court, like whatever. No, I was in the audience. Oh, I you would, were on the audience. <laughs> like go. you're like a yeah, 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 yeah. It was like two, I see, I see. Two hours, it like in the studio, but probably like three hours because you get there, you wait in a big line. They heard you in. Um, it's, they don't treat you very well. And yeah. at the end they pay, literally, I remember they paid me $25 in cash and it changed my life. Like I, you know, but sometimes you'd go and you'd, you'd go pay for parking and everything you'd get there and they say, we don't need you. And then you just like wasted money parking. And so like, that's how much it was like survival mode. And, yeah. and I would get these like coffee shops that like, I worked at La Monarca for a bit and it was weird because I was like the only one who didn't speak Spanish. And I I honestly think the guy hired me as a joke because he I have a ton of barista experience. And so I thought maybe that's why I got the job. But then he left. Like it was like his last day of work. I found out when I showed up for work. <laughs> okay. And then nobody else. <laughs> some people spoke English and Spanish. Yeah. But everyone spoke Spanish. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't hang with that job. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No and more so, cafe con leche. <laughs> yeah i learned i learned that pretty quick right <laughs> but uh yeah and then everyone would just come in and look at me like what's she doing here but um what really saved my life was um a friend from film school sam Travi, who's works in production now in like big big movies but he messaged me i hadn't talked to him in years but we went to scottsdale community college together for film yeah and he said uh hey do you want to work on the Late Late Show as a production assistant, and can you drive a 15 passenger van? And I said yes. And then I could you? I immediately went on YouTube and wrote <coughs> how to drive a 15 passenger van. That's the 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 poor man Trinity. You know, yeah. can I get a <laughs> I helicopter? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you didn't kill anyone. No, I've been <laughs> I've been driving since I was 13, so I feel confident in driving. Yeah. But 
I did watch like a video on how to do it, and there's like some tips of like watch the wheel when you're making turning a corner and right, you know, and um, I don't know, but w- when we when we did it, it was kind of the perfect job for me, not just money wise, but we would do those carpool karaoke segments, and I would drive all of the the industry or like the entourage and the producers, yeah, and we would follow James Corden and the star. And there was, but there was, there was a car in front of him and two cars behind me. So it was a huge caravan and we'd go five miles an hour all over Hollywood. So as someone who just moved to LA, I was just basically getting the tour. Yeah. yeah. Getting the layout of the land. And we had like uh, cops that would help our caravan. So it was very safe. And I also was around like the biggest stars in the world. So right. getting used to that, which is something I think to overcome too. When you don't see celebrities a lot, it's kind absolutely of weird at first. yeah. And and then yeah, I, I had a job, and then I would work there for a long time, and started started getting more production jobs. You know. Yeah. How... One one question I have because it, it it's I I skipped it, but yeah, you drop you drop out of of your music school. M- yeah, music school and college, and then you enroll in film school. Yeah. How you know because film school and comedy? I mean, sure, like have connection is the entertainment but why why film school i think i was just really um scared to do stand-up but i knew stand-up was the thing i wanted to do and so i just kept doing things close to it that weren't right um or like being an entertainer you know so it's like thinking oh maybe i'll be a director or you know maybe i'll be an editor Um, but in film school i ended up making like comedic shorts anyway yeah um but I'm glad I did it because I like I think it's really important to kind of understand how each part of the filming process is. Right. And then if you're honest, that it's you're not just you, like a fish out of water. Absolutely. Yeah. It it helps. Uh, yeah. You edit your own sketches and things like that, right? Yeah. So are you doing Kill Tony at the same time as you're doing this uh, the the James Corden show? Is this like you do like do you live double lives like day day job and night job or How does that work? Well, I would still get pulled out of the bucket and everything, and I slowly would get um, eventually put onto the band. Um, But I think what happened was when I got put into the band, it was just kind of once in a while. I would fill in for Jeremiah. And then when I full-time joined, by that time, I had a full-time job at Viacom as an office PA. Mm -hmm. And so I'd work nine to five, and then I'd go do shows at night. And it was tough. Yeah. And but when I was a production assistant, I they my people at the Late Late Show were so cool. Stu and Michelle were their are, are their names. They do different jobs now, but um, they were so good to me that if I just told them when they hired me, like, hey, I got to show at this time. Can I leave a little early? Right. There would be enough production assistants that they would they would let me go. Um, but there were so many other production assistant jobs that I wasn't that close with them. You know, working at Funny or Die or Master Chef, like, yeah, kind of just take all the jobs you can get when you're at that level. Of course. Yeah, and they're like 14 hour days. Yeah. And I, I still, I can't believe I work that hard sometimes. Yeah, when you look back, it's kind of insane that you're able to do it. Yeah, like 60 hour weeks, and then yeah. I will go like now. I just kind of wake up in my one bedroom apartment and walk my dog, take a nap. Yeah, and go it's, to it's stand a, it's, up. <laughs> Because now you're only doing stand up, right? Or well, yeah, you, yeah, that's crazy. No, like how 
how cool life really is, cool. but also it is hard work. It feels really good. I've, I feel like uh, the pressure sometimes just to make sure I'm continuing like right. putting out a good product for people that support me. So like, they want to keep supporting me and right and just giving back, you know. Um, but I feel like right now I'm I'm fulfilling it and working hard towards that. And it's all this free time I have. I like try to remember to funnel that into yeah what I'm doing, you know. And what is I mean, was your your dream in you know when you were in Arizona to to do a stand up or was your dream is that the or that the and if it's so that that dream changed my dream changes all the time okay. but i think what it really boils down to is just doing whatever i want okay <laughs> doing whatever you want whenever you want yeah that's a bobby uh you you just hung out with bobby too much bobby is my mother <laughs> <That's>, right <laughs> you want to be bobby that's funny um but yeah I, because i also i think i heard you saying that you wanted to be more in that comedic actor or like being on movies or tv is that um, still uh something that you're pursuing i i, I love doing that but i think it's got to be like the a right project for me like um i would love to work with friends you know and like a passion project uh, I, i'm kind of like for now i i'm i don't know if i want to keep auditioning um it's it's hard to keep yeah. auditioning for stuff like um, yeah, because ninety nine point nine 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 percent of auditions are always like no. I know it's a right. lot of rejection, and right. rejection is good for you, I think, to a certain level. But also, if it's a project I don't really care about, yeah, I, I don't want to do it. But I think if I just keep honing my skills on stage, and then you know, I think I do kind of think we are all moving into this like self production, right? Yes, it doesn't seem like it. And now SAG's on strike and. And the writers' guilds on strike and That's, still and yeah, um, it just kind of feels like we can make our own stuff like you're doing right here and right. Yeah, I think eventually that's also what happened with me, right? Like if you want to do it and nobody's helping you, you have to start doing it yourself, and then that's that that's sort of like producing mind, you know, that everybody has to have. Yeah, yeah. So in um, going back to that moment that we were talking about when Neo starts believing in, in himself, when was that moment for you? When At what moment you said, okay, I, I can do this? Oh. It, it, there's different levels. Yeah. Of, but did you but, ever thought of quitting? I don't think I've ever thought of quitting. Um, I think once the lockdown happened and I in it with Viacom I I got let go um but then I started getting unemployment so for me it, it really um was great for me <laughs> because I was making probably more money than I ever had in my life like um by saving you know we weren't spending much with the lockdown but I was getting the two like the two weeks every payment you know mm -hmm. And I was able to still do Kill Tony every week because we were still filming in a studio, um, similar to like to you guys' podcast because people wouldn't come in. We they would they would call in. Right. Um. So I was really lucky to be one of the few people to perform every week during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think it was like just around that time where I was like, well, I know I'm getting aid from the government, but I am only doing 
entertainment right now. And so I'm just going to keep doing this. And I got the job at the comedy store, but to me that felt like it was still in my career path because to get that job you have to audition with stand-up. So even even then I was I I felt like for a few year now a few years now I've been um making a living off of my talents. Yeah. So I guess it's it's been like a few years. Yeah. It was because of the government. <laughs> <laughs> See, your conspiracy theories and then and then the government was a good guy. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm one of the few people who are like I'm excited to make a lot of money to pay back to my taxes <laughs> because they did the system really did work for me. Yeah. I used food stamps too when I first moved out here. And it was the first time I was ever to like I was able to get like spices and stuff because that was were so expensive. Yeah. And I was able to get food I wanted to eat instead of just like the cheapest food on the on the shelf, you know. Yeah. Um, What did your family think of you when you decided to do that? Did they thought that you were crazy? Um, I think my mom was really excited and my dad was kind of scared. Yeah. Um, he was happy. Like, they were excited for me, my dad and my stepmom. But um, there was a little bit of, like, he would keep reminding me that he, I could always move home if I needed to. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, which which is nice to say. But I, I think there was a little bit of doubt in their minds. Right. Um, And, yeah, my mom was, I think she's always just been like, go do it, you know. Yeah. And I know during the during the bad friend tour that, you know, your parents went to, you know. Yeah. Family went to see you. Was that a good, like... This I, I I you know re reassuring moment or or something like a proud moment for you with them. I think so. I think I think uh, I know like especially in Phoenix because that's where a lot of my family is. My dad and stepmom are in North Carolina, and um, and my sister's now in uh, in Michigan. But my mom and aunt and uncle and cousins all came out to Phoenix. And, right. Yeah, they had a great time. Uh, how difficult was to get the door job at the comedy store? How competitive is it to for people who don't know how that works? How how does that work? I think it's incredibly competitive, and I was hanging around the comedy store for like five years before I auditioned, so I never even thought about being a door guy to be honest. But I was hanging out there just as we were getting out of the lockdown, and I remember my buddy Dave Wait, who's a hilarious comic, he goes. Oh, so at this time I was playing trumpet in the roast battle band. Roast battle for a very short time. I had like a band play. I was playing trumpet with Joel Jimenez up there. And Dave, wait, I was in the parking lot and he goes, uh, hey, would you ever want to be a door guy? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, you should audition. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He goes, we're looking for one more person. Uh-huh. And so I hit up the booker, Emily, and um, auditioned and um, got a callback, auditioned again and got the job. Cool. So, so yeah. It's yeah. like you 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 it's like I feel like it's working like an an agency, right? Like you have to start there and like everybody who's there is a comic and so so you know that it's it's kind of like going up the ranks and uh Yeah. You have to hang out there for so long. Right. And just hang out and get involved in ways you can. Like I got involved with Kill Tony and Rose Rattle and yeah. just around all the time and I started to meet everybody and yeah. um luckily I think Towards the end of the lockdown, we were, Kill Tony was performing there in the main room yeah. before they moved to Austin. And so during that time, it was such a small group of people there. Then I met all the management really well, and I met Danny, the sound guy, and I met like um, all the like the people like the people that make the store like yeah. that you maybe don't so meet you, if you're just hanging on the patio. Were you only hanging with comedians? 
beforehand, the, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I, when I, I was looking to so go you, into the talk to the general. Was your <laughs> your dating pool comedians? No. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you date com- because I feel like yeah, is, is it too much to date? Yeah, it was. Date I was comedian. A comedian. <laughs> right, like, is it competitive? Is like, see who's funny or who's getting. I don't know because I don't. I dated one comedian and we dated for four and a half years. Um, yeah, so pretty and long enough to, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, we met going to a show. We did a show in um, Tulare, which is um, like pretty far. Yeah. And so we, we, we had met at open mics and just became friends and liked each other, you know, and then we did the show in Tulare and right. I think during, it was like a long road trip. And so we we're like, okay, we like each other. And then we eventually like went on a date and, you know, and started dating. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't think I will go back to dating comics. So yeah, it's you too need, complicated. You need some sane people around you too, right? Like, like, yeah. Doctor. <laughs> right. Go date a doctor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, what about your your roommates? Because you said that you you live with four roommates. Were they all comedians? Five roommates. Well, because uh, I have um. Oh, five roommates. My ex and I shared a room, and then we had four roommates. Okay. And then at one point, we actually did have a fifth roommate. So there were six people living there at one time. Yeah. Um, I mean, that reminds me a lot of like Bobby's uh, you know, stories about like when he moved here, and and it sounds like incredibly difficult. It is really <laughs> difficult, and um, I do think it's more common than. Uh, I thought before because I hear more, more, even not just Bobby, but I hear that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, and this city is so Did you unaffordable. Ever have a lot of out here? I yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I moved here, I oops, sorry, I slept on George's floor for six months. What? Uh, yeah, cause I I mean, my my story is like for another day, but yeah, I I moved here and it was like so difficult to like to make friends to like you know get even a, a job and I like, wanted to do entertainment so every so everybody else right like it's 14 million people trying to do the same thing it does feel good to remember that struggle though right oh sometimes I'm like I'm yeah. really like winning a lot right now and I do feel like I have a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes right I don't know if you ever struggle with that absolutely also you meet a lot of people who have connections or whose families uh like the whole Nepo baby thing yeah but I mean I I would trade <laughs> my situation. You know, I I don't feel like that much pride in like, oh, I, I struggled for ten years and now I can make this. I I would be fine like if I could do it in the year one. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those cities. Um, so then okay, so then you 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 have roommates. You are doing all of this stuff, and then was bad friends the the catalyst, I guess, to change all of that your your living situation your job situation i think and don't tell bobby and andrew <laughs> right i i will keep it don't worry they're not gonna watch this show <laughs> i'm just kidding anyway but i think the real catalyst was the booker emily laford making me a door guy uh-huh because that's where i met bobby that's... that was the 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 moment yeah, and that's where I started doing reps at the store and getting more confident. And like, right. if that hadn't happened, I never would have met Bobby. And like, I guess you could keep going back. Right, right, right. No, there's always different yeah. milestones, but that's the biggest one. Yeah, because like getting the job at the time was like, I couldn't believe it was happening. And yeah. That felt life changing. And it's just like things just keep going forward. It's really exciting right now. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I, 
it's funny you're asking all these questions because I, I think I do just have a bad memory. I forget about a lot of this stuff. <laughs> like, I just don't think about it. I Does that work in your favor? Tonight. You know, like you don't, uh, it's just having a bad memory, like a defense mechanism so you can yeah. like, <laughs> survive. I think it is. But I actually, I, I think it comes from having divorced parents. Not to get too deep, but I've heard yeah. because it's like hard when you go from family to family. Like it's hard to process that as a kid. Yeah. It's like so sad to not be with your whole family so you start really uh living in the moment because it's you know <laughs> so. yeah, compart compartmentalizing a lot of the things yeah yeah but it's i mean it helps it helps it's a double-edged sword yeah because it helps me really focus on what i'm doing and like right here all i'm, all I'm thinking about is is this, this. moment yeah but mm -hmm. but then sometimes i do forget about like other things <laughs> right <My> electric bill <laughs> right <laughs> yeah your car yeah um Okay. Um, what is, what is the? Do you remember the first impression you have of Bobby and Andrew? Um, with with Bobby, I think I remember seeing him a long time ago at the at the comedy store, like the first time I saw him in person. And uh, my uh, one of my roommates eventually who moved in was uh, my one of my best friends, Chappelle Lacey. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, I know him. Very funny dude, great guy. And we'd go to the comedy store, and he knew Bobby, I think, from Arizona. And uh, yeah, Bobby would just like run up on him and like kept calling him Shapai. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just that run into the hallway. That and sounds like, like Bobby. Who is this guy's crazy? Right. And then I didn't ever really talk to him, but I remember thinking he was just like wild. Like I was thinking um, we would probably never be friends. Um, like I don't think he would ever talk to me but this is it's not I'm not a little bit of a judgment on him but also like my confidence level is so low right like there's no way and I think they Chappelle was telling me they went to like a bathhouse later that night it was like this, I'm not I'm just not his type crowd friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but then at, but then um what was really cool was and I think it's too like him being sober and us meeting when he's sober is like really cool like that i'm really glad he did that yeah. too because um he's just a little more level-headed but um i'd work at the comedy store and he'd just come over and talk to me and not all the paid regulars do that you know yeah. and so he was one of the most famous people to come and he'd come over and talk to me and yeah made me feel really special and we'd just riff and laugh and i think i mean he has a really good eye for for comedy and comedians uh obviously but he i I mean, probably you don't know that, but when we're shooting Bad Friends one day, he said, hey, there's a new person that I really like at the comedy store and I, I want to I wanna invite her and see how, how she works here. You know, that was, I was like, okay. But yeah, her name is Jesse. It's her number. Let's try to get her here. You know, so that, so he does pay attention to, you know, the, I think he's, I mean, obviously his wild side, everybody sees it, but then it's like, okay, if if, if he likes someone for their, you know, qualities in, in, in comedy or whatever it is, he'll try to help, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I see him working now. Yeah. Like, I see him talking to the new door guys. And I'm yeah. Like, oh, it's awesome because I know what he's doing. And yeah. I don't even think they understand. Yeah. Like, how much... I, I told somebody last night who was a door guy because he said Bobby said he liked my set and was really happy about it. Right. And they said, it's really cool if Bobby likes you. Similar to what you just said. I'm like, he doesn't like everybody. No. And you can have a great career if Bobby doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah. But if he does like you, 
it would it could help you out so much yeah like um, and he obviously you know he has his own sense of humor and his type of comedy so not everybody's gonna fit in that yeah but yeah and what so what about andrew so bobby wild would we say that that's the first impression <laughs> andrew was like um more it was harder for me to talk to him which he hates to hear yeah but, um, he's not like he doesn't come off as mean but he just kind of has a like he goes right into work and then leaves yeah and so um with bobby it's like i think i was really intimidated to talk to most of the paid regulars um which was like a confidence thing on my end but yeah. bobby's very much of like he's not like gonna knock on the door he's gonna <laughs> swing it wide open like hey and yeah. like he approaches you have to you. be dressed all the time around <laughs> him he'll open the door <laughs> yeah yeah but you yeah. know what i mean like yes you don't have to go up and be like hey bob like he'll he'll come up to you and be like hey what are you doing here yeah and you're like i'm working <laughs> yeah but uh with andrew it's like uh i think you just go approach him and I, that wasn't my style he's like right. working i don't want to bug anybody when i'm working there you know um so but, did you did you start talking to him really when when you started doing bad friends like yeah was that the, the Yeah, I would talk to him maybe three words here, three words there. Like, yeah. uh, you're you're going up next. <laughs> It was like when I would work the room <laughs> right, at right. OR. Like, um, but then the first time I talked to him in length was that episode, that first episode. And for about three months, I want to say, all of our conversations were recorded. And it was kind of an interesting relationship. relationship right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time we hung out. It was just um, on air, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I feel like also, yeah, perception is is different because he comes across as a more, less wild, right? More more average, normal. Like you can talk, but then he's. It's interesting. He's more business. Yeah, but he's really become one of my um, biggest mentors too. Right. Like, yeah, um, I was gonna ask you like, do they do you feel like they they act as your mentors? Yeah, Bobby is um, he he is more like um, how do, he's more of like an, an the oracle. I think. Yeah, he's the oracle. <laughs> yeah, like in the sense of he will like um depart wisdom on me when I need it. Yeah, he's not going to be like um, he's not gonna go out of his way to like uh it's like if but if there's something i need yeah. or like um if i really have a problem or like i know i could go to him yeah he'll um, give you a riddle yeah <laughs> and it will be in a riddle <laughs> i won't quite know what he means um, right. but with andrew it's like um you know i can text him and I, like i feel like he'll respond he texts back yeah yeah and he's like uh, i know with these headlining shows he's really been like sharing stuff on his story for my headlining shows he's like right. sharing stuff on his story and you know i hope it sells out he's texting me and like um he's he took me on the road before the tour to salt lake city um and i featured for him there and that's the first time i did stand-up where i went on stage and like everyone knew who i was and that was that was a big confidence boost and right um and now that club owner is having me back out on my own in the next month so it's like there's been certain things he's done that have um that really helped me too and so it's yeah our relationship has evolved you know yeah uh, how cool is that no do, yeah. you, do you feel like you 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 are like now living your your life like as it's supposed to be you yes know, it really feels like that and it's it's interesting how like now i'm i'm barely starting to headline um but this is this is it This is the 
rest of the, the, <laughs> the life. Okay. Um, so tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days. What are your new projects and things like that? Well, I'm, t I'm getting into headlining and besides when I do feature, you know, or, or go on the road with bad friends or if I do any more feature dates with Jesselnik, et cetera, stuff like that, I'm, I'm headlining. So it's really exciting and it's basically what I think the rest of my career is going to look like. Um, it'll evolve in different ways, but I'll be working the road and, um, It's really exciting, and I'm focusing on building this hour. I'm incorporating my trumpet into the stand-up. That's cool. And it's been really fun. I last night I, I like I said earlier, did Irvine, and it was almost sold out, which is a huge room. So it was really special to see that people came out. Um, almost a lot of bad friends. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was it was cool, and I felt like I want to create something where people want to come back. You yeah. Know? I don't want to just take advantage of this new following I have and get like a quick paycheck. You know what I mean? So I'm really trying to build something special and it felt like people left um, excited and they'll come back and yeah, that's I cool. just want to take it on the road. And are you now, do you take uh, someone who opens for you? Is that how yes. it works? Yes. It's so fun. Like that's something really big that Andrews literally sat me down and taught me directly. I think both him and, and Bobby, they also um, show me, by example too but um is to pay it forward and so that's something that i really look forward to doing as well because it helped me do what i want to do yeah um but i brought some i i think i mostly go through the door guys right you keep, know you keep bringing people into the matrix now in your case instead of waking them up yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm bringing them in with the fun The right. fun part. The fun part. But cool. yeah, Felicia folks and Willie Simon came with me last night and I'm bringing Joel Jimenez on Saturday. And I can't afford to bring people when I fly yet though. Right. But soon I will. Right. Yeah. No, that's also when you, I I feel like that about everything in general. I, I didn't have that mentality when I moved to, to the US, but seeing how that works, like if you help people, not only you feel good about it, but it's also you're putting that energy and that can come back to you and like, It's it's you know you create that community and I, I think it's 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 cool to to do that. Yeah. Um. Okay. I have a a, a question for you that uh, Michael Rosenbaum left. He was our, our last guest, and he said, "If you look in the mirror right now, do you really truly love love what you do, and are you okay with being alone and not working as much? Uh, could you if you, you were not working as much, could you deal with it? Are you are you happy? Are you truly happy?" Yes, yes. If I, I, I find joy of the work I do. Yeah. I think if I wasn't working as much, and I, I know it for a fact, I'm, I am less happy. Right. I think when I, if I go a few days without stand up, it's like going through withdrawals. Mm. I have physical, I'm not kidding. I have like physical um, reactions. Um, it's probably not healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yes. But you, I love it. It's like you, the happiest you, I am is when I'm on stage. Um, okay. So I have two final questions. One, like what is something like a question that you could leave for the next guest? Like what would be something, you know, that you are particularly interested in knowing about anyone that, that you meet? If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Mm -hmm. That's great. Like, so what, what would it be for you? <laughs> um, I would make healthier choices. In terms of what? Like diet, 
and drinking and yeah 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 exercise because <laughs> i i try and i will i'll start hiking and i'll start eating healthy and then i'll like like last night i got a beef dip sandwich <laughs> and french fries from cancer so like one in the morning okay yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, like the Bobby. You're yeah. You're <laughs> no, follow, don't follow, say following that. Following the Bobby uh, diet. I'm a Bobby Andrew hybrid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With a little bit of Jessnick and some Polly, <laughs> some Annie. <laughs> so okay, my my last question is, uh, why do you think people who haven't seen this movie or people who have seen it like should watch or rewatch The Matrix? I think people who haven't seen it are afraid. <laughs> No, but it is my favorite movie yeah um i think everyone should watch it because like i said there's so much metaphor in it you could find anything in it that could speak to i think your journey it's just the human journey and the the human experience or like the hero's journey right it's yeah like that's exactly perfect, the, yeah it's like it has a lot of like that mm, uh christian like mythology in it you know like the, the chosen person who's gonna sacrifice himself to save everybody else yeah. but it has so many meanings like you said so many layers yeah and and watch it again because of all the layers you'll see something new each time and it had such a cultural impact i think it's always worth revisiting yeah and we're with ai now <laughs> yeah well, Jesse, thank you so much uh, for for coming, for letting us know you a little better. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. And everybody go watch The Matrix. Do I get to keep this? You get to keep that. <laughs> <laughs>